back to InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. We live in a world of diversity, but experts tell us that everyone has some level of bias when we encounter those who are different from us. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talked to a top consultant for advice on getting along better with others. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Matthew Freeman is the co-author of Overcoming Bias, Building Authentic Relationships Across Differences. Matthew is white, his wife is black, and they co-wrote the book, and together they co-founded a company that focuses on diversity and inclusion. Matthew, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. Really good to be here. There are a lot of terms thrown around today, each with a slightly different meaning. Tell us how you define bias. Bias, at its most basic and simple definition, is simply a preference preference for one thing over another, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with bias. So you can have a bias for listening to music at a concert instead of going to sports or vice versa, or a bias for going on a beach vacation instead of a mountain vacation. The place where bias becomes a problem is where we have biases for certain kinds of people over another, or who is easier for us to trust and work with versus other kinds of folks. And it's when it becomes a preference for certain kinds of people that we need to pay more attention. But at its most basic definition, bias is simply a preference, and we may be conscious of those biases or some of them operate at an unconscious level. I would think if you ask the average person whether they're biased, most would think they really aren't. How can we recognize it in ourselves? Yes, most of us believe that we don't have bias towards certain people over others and that we treat everybody equally without regard to skin color, gender, or any of those kinds of things. And this is where the science that has come out recently around unconscious bias becomes really interesting and kind of helpful to help us understand why we might see some of these persistent disparities in our society. So one question that motivates us to continue doing this work is, when you look at all the survey data of Americans generally, most people do not embrace any kind of explicit bias and say, I don't like fill in the blank of people. And yet, we still keep reproducing these disparities in terms of life expectancy, health outcomes, all of these things. So folks have been really looking into how the brain is wired and how that might kind of perpetuate some of these things. And that's where the whole science around unconscious or implicit bias has come into the forefront recently. And one of the things that we've learned is people basically find it easy to trust folks who are similar to them in some way that are similar to their families, where you have some similar educational background or someplace where it's easy for you to bond over shared experiences. And then one of the things that tends to happen is all of the messages in our culture tend to get lodged in our brain in ways that we may not be aware of. For example, resumes. You send out identical resumes and just change the gender of the name and men still tend to get better treatment than women or People with Anglo-Saxon sounding names tend to get better treatment than people with Latino sounding names. And this is not people acting on explicit biases. These are just kind of the subconscious messages that get lodged in our brain and just who we happen to be familiar with and comfortable with. And so that's one of the challenges of this work. But I think it's also the promise because this is not about people's moral failings as human beings. It's about our brain wiring to be tribal communal people who have people that we easily get along with and others that we need to work a little bit harder to figure out and understand because they may be different from us. So it lets us off the blame and shame hook of we're all bad people because, you know, we have biases, but it doesn't let us off the responsibility hook of understanding how these patterns get reproduced at a societal level and what we can do to help overcome them. 
So do you think that anyone could become truly bias-free, that they could become that pure? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure. <laughs> One of the things you asked is how can we become aware of our biases? There is a really good resource online, the Implicit Association Test, or IAT, done by Project Implicit, which is hosted at Harvard. And you can actually go and there's an online computer test and you can choose a number of different dimensions to test things from religion to body size to gender career association, skin color, all of these kinds of areas where there has been historically some judgment about the value of people's character. And you can actually do these tests and see what your own unconscious biases are. And I will tell you, even as somebody who has done this work for more than a decade, I still show up with some of these biases and it's a little bit disheartening. But that is this whole area of overcoming bias is one of the big areas of research right now with the folks who work on you know, the psychology of unconscious bias. And the jury is really still out. So there's promising ideas out there that, you know, our brains actually, there's the term neuroplasticity, our brains can actually be rewired. And so there's some promise in that. But there's also nobody has really figured out whether this is something that we just have to monitor and be conscious of day after day after day, and it's still going to impact us to some extent, or whether it's something that actually really can totally be redone and rewired in the brain. People are still figuring that out. I do think that we can learn some skills to lower the impact of bias in our lives. Whether we can actually ever truly eradicate it from our brains once we're adults, that's still a question that science is wrestling with. And think the jury is still out and stay tuned. Our guest on InfoTrack is Matthew Freeman. He's the co-author of Overcoming Bias, Building Authentic Relationships Across Differences. And we're discussing the meaning of bias in America and how we can recognize it and do something about it. Matthew, are there steps that companies can take to help employees recognize and deal with bias in the workplace? Absolutely. We actually do a fair amount of training on unconscious bias in the workplace. And there are concrete steps that you can take to try to eliminate or mitigate the impact of these kinds of biases in the workplace. There's a wonderful book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. One of the things that he was looking at was why do people make the kinds of decisions that they make? And he identified that humans really aren't quite as rational as we would like to think. The lottery is a great example. There's no real logical reason to play the lottery. It's a very poor financial strategy but we still keep doing it because there's some emotional reason for us to do it. And so one of the things that he suggests is we should flag those moments where we know that our brain may be tricking us. And that's what we suggest in the workplace. So when you are reviewing resumes, interviewing candidates, when you're writing performance reviews, those are the times when you really need to take a pause, slow down, acknowledge that your brain may have these biases and work really hard at those moments to ensure that you have systems in place, checklists in place, things to slow your brain down and engage the slow thinking rational part of your brain and not let the unconscious part of your brain drive those decisions. What's your take on where we stand as a nation? Because I think many people would say that in the past decade or so, race relations, just attitudes in general, have not improved. We have made a tremendous amount of progress and you can't deny that race relations have improved. But we also have an immense amount of work still left to do. And I think that challenge can really be illustrated by the fact that if you take a child who was born in the United States of America, you can look at their skin color and determine with some level of statistical accuracy what their life expectancy is going to be, what their health outcomes are going to be, how much income and wealth 
they will accumulate throughout their lives. And that, to me, is the problem, that this legacy of discrimination is still not quite worked out and predictive of outcomes in our society. So I think there's a lot of work to do in terms of closing those disparity gaps and creating truly equal opportunities where all of us have the opportunity to succeed or fail based on our own hard work and merits and not based on the color of our skin. Matthew Freeman, the co-author of Overcoming Bias, Building Authentic Relationships Across Differences. Matthew, thanks for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you so much for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.